All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, Photo Work, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. I'm Sasha Wolf, recording from the usual spot, the Airstream in Woodstock, New York, and I'm joined as usual by my good friend and producer, Mr. Michael Chauvin Dalton. Hello, Michael. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing all right. Semester's over, just got some graduation to go to. And congratulations. Uh, yeah, lining up all the summer projects. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I actually was texting with a friend of mine this morning, and we were actually supposed to meet up last night, and I couldn't because I just had too much work. And we were texting mm-hmm. this morning, and she was like, How did it go? And I was like, I was up at 5 30 and getting back to work. And I was saying to her that the summer was just going to be a total crush. I have so many deadlines of really just really big, monstrous, and slightly intimidating things. And yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how I got myself into this, but when, <laughs> I ask myself I, that a lot. <laughs> when I get to the fall, when I'm when when this is uh, calmed down, I, I have to make sure to tell all my closest friends to keep me from doing this again because it's really just a matter up for of things. Yes, saying <laughs> saying. A million yeses. And because it's all things I want to do, you know, there isn't any anything that right. I've said yes to that I don't want to do. But I, I don't know that I wanted to do everything at once. But it will. So it'll be it'll be. A, you know what? The truth is, I'm not I don't love summer. Um, I don't like the heat. So mm. in a way, it's like, that's fine. I'm just going to really bear down this summer and work my tush off. And uh I'll be happy to have a little bit more time in the in the fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a nice time to have more time. And actually, my yearly trip to Iceland was postponed this uh, late winter, early spring. I was yeah. supposed to go, and so I'm going in the fall. So you know, it it it, it oh, actually great. now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, yeah, it all works out perfectly. <laughs> So I take my complaint so you take back. It all back. Everything's I take fine. it all back. I, nothing I've said thus far is either correct or remotely interesting. So a twofer. Um, yes, I'm glad we worked that out. Yeah. Phew. Okay. Bye. All right. See everyone. Thanks. Thanks for all that help. Okay. So we have. <laughs> so we have a we have a rewind show today, but for a particular yes. reason, and we'll get to That's that in right. a second. But before we do, just a couple of things. One, I want to plug a workshop. It's one of the things I'm going to be happily working on this summer. I'm doing a seven-week workshop for La Luz, L-A-L-U-Z, La Luz Workshops. They do amazing stuff. I've Mm -hmm. worked with them before. And this is a workshop called Building a Body of Work in the Real World. And it's going to run on Saturdays, 11 to 2, um, on Saturdays from... September 23rd to November 4th, and it's going to be awesome, frankly. Um, <laughs> so check it out. Go to lelouzeworkshops.com to read more about the class. But I'm going to be talking about, you know, building bodies of work in, in all different sort of working methods, um, short, medium, long-term projects, research-based projects, shoot first, edit later, type projects, et cetera, et cetera. And I have great guests, Barbara Bosworth, Doug Dubois, Todd Heido, Catherine Opie, Kelly Connell, Raheem Fortune, star-studded lineup. Mm, So check that out. And I also uh, just want to mention some upcoming shows we have, I'm not sure what order yet, but... No. <laughs> we Don't have, hold us to any order right now. <laughs> no. We, <laughs> inside joke, um, we have Matt Eich, great photographer and mm-hmm. poet, Matt Eich, coming up. And then we have our first two guests at once episode yes. with Christine Potter 
the great photographer whose uh, new book is coming out soon with Aperture Dark Waters, and then uh, Rebecca Bengel, who wrote for that book, and who also, her book of essays with Aperture is about to come out. It's called Strange Hours, Mm -hmm. and she's an incredible writer, really writes in my favorite style, very personal, subjective, uh, transparently so. So uh, just warm, brilliant writing about life and photography. And that's a two-part episode, actually. So yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, there's been quite a few good books on photography past a few years. Of course, uh, you know, starting with the beginning of this podcast with your book. And we just had on Tim Carpenter and now Rebecca Bengal. And it's been a a good few years uh, for um, writings on photography. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and this is something that Christine and Rebecca and I talk about. So you'll have to listen to the episode, but, (laughs) you know, about writing and photography. And that's a very, you know, combining pictures and text. This is something that has always been a huge topic of conversation in the photo world, in the photo book world, it's not new, but I do feel like it's very much front burner right now. So mm-hmm. anyway, lots of good stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I like the way the podcast is. I, I, I want it to, of course, it's about photography, but I think that we can continue to take some circuitous routes and, you know, look for more people who are, you know, sort of adjacent and yet, mm-hmm. you know, really pertinent and brings up a lot of other things that I think are really important. So absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, well, about today's episode. So we are we are rewinding back to episode one. <laughs> yes. Michael, All episode the way one. Back. Uh, it takes me back. <laughs> I know. I was like, how do you what do I do? How do I what button do I hit? Yeah, well, I mean, we were deep into uh, COVID isolation back then. Yeah, but, we were. Uh, but, you know, you and I were uh, talking a lot and uh, setting up these shows. And so that was, our, uh, that was our way of keeping in contact with people. I think I called you and I said, okay, I, I have <laughs> an idea. If this, tell me if this is crazy. No, because when we first started, we really didn't know. I mean... We, mm-hmm. we had no idea that we were going to, that we'd be here now, that this was something we, yeah. we just, we were like, let's give it a, I think I called you and I just said, I had been talking. So the first episode was with Brian Scutmott, who, so that's the episode you're going to hear. And what happened was Brian had called me to talk about something related to work stuff because I represent him and... We wound up, as we often do, going on crazy tangents and being on the phone for a really long time. And I think either I said to Brian or Brian said to me, I really don't remember, we should record one of these conversations because hmm. they're just we just get so deep into photography and life and photography. And yeah, I thought that's actually an idea. And so I called you and you and I were friends mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's do it, and a show was born. So, which we didn't know at the time, but a show was a show was born, and here we are, yeah. sixty episodes in, or how many episodes? <laughs> I never yeah, know. It's... <laughs> and we're we're going back to number one. So we're going back to number one. Why, Michael? Yeah. So we have a really nice event coming up. Our first mixtape, our first event with a, a live audience and, you know, our, our listeners. And Brian Scutmott is our guest of honor in our first photo work mixtape. And that's on May 24th at seven o'clock. And you can register for that now at photowork.foundation. Uh, and so, yeah, we're really uh, looking forward to it. So we thought this would be a great time to rewind and replay this episode to... Um, Get everyone ready for our show. Yeah, I'm really psyched. So first live, you know, Zoom gathering and and bringing back our first ever podcast guest. So please do join us. I think it'll be super fun. It's not, just to be clear, it's not going to be very formal. I don't have questions written out for Brian. It's not a lecture. It's just a hangout. And yes, I will, Brian and I will talk and we'll talk about photography, but it's really for you guys to ask questions and get a Mm -hmm. chance to, for us all to meet. So 
There's uh, suggested donations, but, you know, whatever you can do just to help us with expenses mm-hmm. is great. $10 is, is fine. Uh, yeah, and we'll make yeah. it worth your while. It'll be really nice to, to be with everyone. Yeah, so, you know, listen to this episode, and it was about two years ago, and Brian hasn't been resting on his laurels, so there'll be more. You know, he's, he's had um, County Road published since then. And, you know, well, there'll yeah, be more to stuff talk about. to talk about, for sure. And by the way, it's been yep. almost three years. I hate to break it to you. Oh, but I, <laughs> I love the fact that time with me has flown, <laughs> flown by, that you chopped off an entire year. Yes. <laughs> which is the way I feel about you, too, by the way. I do. Let me be clear about that. I, I do feel that way about you as well. Oh, thanks. It, it has been great working together. All right. Well, why don't we get to it, Michael? If you don't mind, please take it away. My pleasure, and here is your conversation again with Brian Skutmott. Hey, everyone. So just a reminder that the podcast is now being sponsored by my favorite photo lab in New York City, Picture House in the Small Dark Room, which I'm super psyched about. Yes. Not just because they're sponsoring the podcast, but because we're going to be doing a lot of different things with them. They're going to be involved with our mentorship program and some other things we have um, that we're, we're working on. Yeah, this is a really nice partnership. Awesome partnership. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect fit, right? Mm-hmm. So Picture House in the Small Dark Room, for those who don't know, is a darkroom and post-production studio that's uh, been servicing the photo community in New York City since... 1996, so they know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So if you have a question about film, their amazing staff can help you with processing, high-res scanning, darkroom printing, digital post. And they have an amazing team, um, most of whom have been with them for more than five years and a lot of them um, close to 20 years, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, says a lot about the people at the top and how they interact with the people who work there. And, and they really care about the work that goes through the shop. And it, it doesn't matter if it's doing one print, single frame scan, or a huge 200 image post-production advertising job. They give all the jobs the same amount of, of love and attention. So, oh, and, and I want to say, because I think this is super cool, they just opened a little photo book store yes. um, there at the facility. So you can go and drop off film or whatever and hang out in their photo book store. There's a couch there. And it's really highly curated titles. They do um, artist talks and book signings. So right. they, these people are in our world. We love them. And uh, and check out their events, even if they're not uh, related to our events. <laughs> yes, yes. They are autonomous. That's right. <laughs> um, they've been around a lot longer than us. Um, and how do folks get in touch with them? Right. So check them out at PHTSDR. That's for Picture House, the small darkroom dot com. And you can also check out their really great Instagram account at the same name, PHTSDR. Uh, and they have a lot of great postings there. And they've been uh, sharing some of our posts there, which is really nice. Yeah. yeah. Very nice of them. And then you can also, uh, at their website, uh, see all the uh, upcoming events. Right on. Okay. So once again... Picture House in the Small Dark Room, welcome to the Photo Work family. Yes, welcome. Brian, I'm so happy to be talking with you. As I told you when we talked the other day, I've just been, you know, really wanting to have these more existential conversations. And then mm-hmm. with the pandemic, at one point, I, I just wanted to have really sort of meaningful conversations with people. I couldn't, I just had no head for, mm-hmm. I don't know, right weight stuff. And yeah, so it just pushed me more towards wanting to do this. And But you know I've wanted to do this for a while because we've talked about it before. So mm-hmm. I guess um, I just start with, you know, sort of uh, overview mm-hmm. uh, question, which is... <laughs> Not that it's going to be an easy question. Yeah. So why do you photograph? Yeah, I don't think there's an answer here that isn't isn't uh, obvious. I just that's okay. Yeah, I just love photography and I want to take photos and it's a passion like any other. So I think I photograph for the same reason that like 
singers want to sing and uh, dancers want to dance and ball players want to play ball. Uh, and it's something uh, I enjoy. And if, if it weren't a profession, I'd still want to do it. So yeah, like a lot of, a lot of photography is fun. And then there are other aspects that are like uh, pretty grueling and difficult, but uh, it tends to be rewarding and it just opens doors and enriches my life. So yeah. When are the moments that are most rewarding? I mean, is it when you're figuring out subject matter? Is it when you're taking a picture? Is it when you see the picture after you've made it? I know you're shooting on film, so the film has to be developed. And like, what, what, when, when do you feel the kind of like deep satisfaction that like, you know, jazz guitarist might mm-hmm. feel if they like hit a, hit a riff that were, they were like, oh my God, that's really beautiful. It's going to be a new song or something. Yeah. I think there are moments of that along the whole way. Clearly, whenever you mount an exhibition or publish a book, there's that feeling of satisfaction because it feels good to complete something and to do work that you think is good. But then along the way, whenever you're shooting, there's a lot of um, rewarding feelings. You know, as a photographer like me who works on the road, there's a lot of searching and curiosity involved. So when you find subject matter that resonates with you, that feels great. And yeah, just like to to satisfy the, the curiosity to me is really important. And um, to constantly be engaged with that. Thinking like, you know, I'm on the road shooting, what's around the next band, you know, like, what's this stranger's story? What's inside of that abandoned house? Like, what what will the, the light look like in this canyon when the sun rises? So, there are all these, like, curiosities that need to be satisfied. And, it, and it, whenever you capture something or engage with it just as an experience, it can be rewarding. But then I think, you know, the exhibitions and the books, those are, those are a different kind of fulfillment. When you're, I mean, do you find yourself when you're out shooting, when you're on the road, are you laying in bed at night thinking about how you're going to set up a shot and just like obsessing over it and then you get to it and you achieve that and Mm -hmm. there's deep satisfaction right there in that moment? Yeah, I, I would say so. If you think you got it, that's always a good feeling. But with photography... There's always a, there's always a feeling that you might not have uh, gotten the shot that like even if you think it's good in that moment you'll get to it later and you won't like it as much or it'll get edited out. So yeah, there's definitely a a moment of satisfaction in it, like in the actual process. But yeah, I mean, I guess you just find things that are rewarding about photography in all aspects. Uh, I mean, in all parts of it. And then there are like just other things that that will activate your imagination and curiosity even when you're not out shooting or editing but you're just thinking about photography and living a life as a photographer it just it comes up and I think that all that's really valuable do you think about your audience when you're making work or is that something that comes about later or is does it never happen are you is it just are you just shooting for yourself um I definitely don't think about people when I'm shooting because uh, like I'm just so in the zone and I don't have room in my mind for uh, anything but mm-hmm. the pictures. I think it's it's almost meditative in a way. But generally, while I'm shooting, I don't I don't want to think what about what other people will think about what I'm doing. So I mean, I kind of think of that I'm the main audience. Uh, I guess that, that doesn't sound that great, but you know, I sounds I, fine. <laughs> cool. I mean, I photograph um, for myself foremost. I think and. I have like my own artistic ideals that I strive for and I I take the kind of pictures that I, w- I want to see that that, um, that I'm interested in. So I don't really, I mean, I'm, a, I'm aware that there is an audience who will see the work and I want to tell them something meaningful, but um, I don't s- spend too much time thinking about them or uh, dwelling on it too much. Yeah. What about like family? I mean, this is a little sort of mm-hmm. taking a little left turn here, but... I mean, do you ever think about what your family thinks about what you're doing? I mean, I guess the question is, what does your family think? I mean, <laughs> you know, it is because I know that, you know, for some people, you know, this sounds just very rudimentary, but mm-hmm. making your parents proud can be just a hugely important thing. And Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I totally identify with that. I mean, it's it's funny because you talk about audiences and and photography, the kind of photography that we're interested in. And to to understand that photography does require a kind of literacy because it can be 
esoteric and it's actually a pretty small world that comprehends it. Yeah. So I, you know, I definitely want to make my folks proud, but they, they get, uh, I mean, even though they really appreciate if I have a exhibition at some nice gallery or I get some grant from an art institution, they tend to be more, um, excited or show more pride whenever I get the cover story for New York Times Magazine or my pictures in time or, or whatever. Right. Like, they can like, understand that. Yeah, yeah, there's just a different level of like, uh, they can just access that better and really understand that it's a result. Because to to be well-versed in the world of photography, I could tell them I have an, uh, uh, a show at Gallery A versus Gallery B and it, it, there wouldn't be like a, a real difference um, to them. It's just like, oh, well, the, the work's up in New York or in Europe or something and they get that that's there, but there's not that. Um, you have to be into it to really know what's what. So, um, yeah, I, I think about my family, but it, but I know that like there are different kind of measures of what success is and why they'll be proud. So, yeah. Is that weird that you do something with your life that people really close to you don't understand the language of? And believe me, I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I my family does understand that yeah. I, mean, I I got into photography because we had, you know, Arbus, you know, the seminal Aperture Arbus book was in my home. And, you know, mm-hmm. my father made television commercials and always had a camera. So I, mm-hmm. I learned visual language really young. But I have people come over and see you know, I have a lot of portraiture up mm-hmm. and a lot of black and white portraiture. And I've certainly had many people come over and they're just completely dumbfounded that this is art. Yeah. You know, they, you know, that it's not some like sweeping color landscape or something. And does it ever like weird you out that this thing you do is, is basically sort of elitist in that way? Yeah. I don't mean elitist. It's weird. No, I, I know what you it, mean. It, it, I, it is elite. It is yeah. elite as sort of a fact, not as a value yeah, judgment. But, but not in a bad way. I mean, I have like friends and relatives who are, I mean, they're into fishing and I don't, you know, like the, the, there are certain things that they do that I don't understand, but I understand how it, it you know, gives them pleasure. Like yep. um, there, there are like, the more you get into something, the more specific it becomes. And yeah, I don't think it differs that much from other other things that people do to make their life worth living. You know, there are, there are all these different kind of activities or disciplines that people get into. So I think that there's, yeah, there, there's like a, maybe a lack of comprehension. I know that sounds elitist, but like, I think the people who love me and know how passionate I am about what I do, just accept the fact that they're not going to understand it entirely, but they're happy for that it does what it does for me. There's also something in photography that, I mean, it goes back to the audience and there, there are photographers or photo books that kind of cross over where there's certainly photography that's meant for like a very specific audience, but then there are other photography books that can, can expand and, and, and reach other audiences, you know? So it's like some, some photographers are like the very esoteric photographers that are like the Jean-Luc Godard in the late sixties that, no one watches. And then there are other photographers who are like the Cohen brothers, you know? So right. it's like, um, yep. you know, there, there are different ways they can access these things. And, and I'm, and I think my photography is might be on the cusp, like, um, where people can, can kind of get it, even if they're not photo book nerds or connoisseurs or whatever. So. Yeah. yeah I think that's probably true. I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, it's something I think about, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, I, I ask you because I, you know, I have a lot of extended family who do mm-hmm. things with their life that's, you know, I have stepbrothers who are union organizers and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people in my family, loud motorcycle going by. Um, <laughs> All right. A lot of people in my family who, you know, do really good work, social work, mm-hmm. et cetera, and I'm sort of an art dealer. And, yeah. you know, I struggle with that. And, I, you know, I struggle with the fact that there's a lot of a lot of the art that I that I represent is in a language that you know I I sort of am this East Coast mm-hmm. liberal you yeah. know elite stereotype you know and that's fine I I don't really care about that I'm sort of just goofing around about that but mm-hmm. but I do definitely struggle with the way in which it is a separate language and that it's not more accessible mm-hmm. to people or mm-hmm. 
you know, that more people don't understand it. It seems so rarefied sometimes. And that I find that, I do find that difficult. That does keep me up sometimes, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. I, I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because I'm interested in, in your transition because as I understand it, you went from filmmaking to selling photography. And it sounds like yeah. you, you, you gave up one really difficult thing for another really difficult thing. So, yes. so you must, there must be ways that you think that, Photography is really important as to deal it. So, I mean, does that translate into what you're thinking about? Yeah, like with I the mean, difficulty? I, it was definitely an out of the frying pan and into the fire sort of situation. Yeah. But I do really, well, there were two things. I really value it. And mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly important. And we can come back around to that. And mm-hmm. and and also just to to tap at what you said earlier, I love it, mm-hmm. you know, like pure and simple. I love it. Yeah. So it, you know, it's, it's really visual language is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm a very visual, I love my surroundings to be beautiful. I love to look at beautiful and stimulating things. I don't have clutter. Like mm-hmm. I have all these bookshelves and my living room and there's, there's no books on the bookshelves. I just nice. have, you know, because I want you to see the artwork. And so mm-hmm. I do everything to just, you know, keep it so that it's a really soothing and easy experience. So you, you don't, you're not going to get distracted. And so I do, I just, I really love it. It means a lot to me. It's very stimulating to me. Yeah. I believe very strongly, you know, when I hear people say that they don't think art can make a difference, and I, I hear artists say this a lot, I think it's a defense mechanism, but mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's incredibly important. And I mean, I, I've never said this publicly, but it's not a secret that my only you know, blood sibling died when I was 17. And I, I had a, I really, really struggled emotionally. I was in a mm-hmm. really dark place. And that's when I started writing and making films. And I mm-hmm. really think it saved my life. So, yeah. you know, just to be able to express yourself and then, you know, the artwork, whether it was books or films or photographs or dance or music that I connected with during that time and, and subsequently throughout my life mm-hmm. that's made me feel less lonely and that, you know, has given voice to some of the difficult feelings. I, you know, I, I just know firsthand how important that is. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's incredibly valuable. I, I, I do also struggle with the way in which a lot of people don't understand some of the language that we see in art galleries and some museums, you know, I mean, yeah, but sometimes I I go to a museum and I'm just like, what? Yeah. But, but I mean, that does something for some people. And I think like, you know, we, we all need this. Like you you talked about your relative who was a union organizer and that's, that's awesome. And I'm sure, you know, they're doing really important work and making sure that people have safe working conditions and good benefits and all this. But after that worker's done with work, that worker needs to go home and be nourished in, in, in terms of the spirit. And I think that, you know, art does that and it, whether it's music or painting or, or whatever, uh, or, or photography. So we all need this and, and different people have different ways to fulfill that. So for some people, it might be that kind of, um, incomprehensible thing that you see in the art museum and that's fine for them. And then there are other people who, you know, get, get that thing in their soul that needs satisfying, they get that satisfied through um, completely other things, whether it's maybe like more popular culture or, or even sports. Like there's beauty and meaning in sports too, I think. So, I mean, I feel like using the word elitist is can be kind of unfair because it, 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 it's it, a lot of it's all doing similar things in terms of like what people need, what people need beyond just the essentials of life. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that there should be too much conflict in, in your heart and mind about what you're doing because it just serves a different audience, you know? Yep. Well, I agree. So when did you, just, just to put a few markers down, when did you decide to study photography? How, how old were you? When was that? Well, I took my first photo course, I think I was 20 in college. I took a black and white course and then 
just it was more of like an intense hobby for a while and then you were studying history yeah i got a degree i got an undergraduate degree in history but i took a lot of photo courses and there was a while during my undergrad where i thought i was going to be a photographer and a photo major but i did the history thing and i thought i might be a teacher um eventually um and then in 2010 i applied to graduate school and that's whenever i really said that i'd be pursuing this as a as a career uh or i hoped that that would what would be what it would turn into uh, even though would, at the time i was what, still skeptical you've walked right into my trap okay young man. <laughs> yeah. so what did you when you say you hoped it would be a career like what did you hope for what did success uh, look like to you then and and ha- how has that changed always really interested in the way people move the bar yeah you know so what did it look like to you then and and, and what have been like milestones of moving the bar for you that's a great question i i don't i i wasn't one of these art students that had really grandiose plans for the future i, I didn't think that i would make you know a living off of it necessarily. Um, I think that's really good, by the way. But we can yeah. I mean, back I think a lot of a lot of people have ideas that are unrealistic, and um, I never really fell into that. And I thought that I might do something involved with photography, but not photography full time. When I when I after I finished grad school, I moved to New York, and I was did some art handling and then photo assisting, and then the the doors opened, and I was able to pursue photography full time. And I didn't know that I ever really expected that. I was pretty bold and wait, I, I asked for wait, things. Wait, what were those doors? What were those doors opening? What, what happened? Um, so I, I got someone to agree to publish the book. And then I won the Aperture Portfolio Prize. And after that, I started getting a lot of print sale requests. And I started seeing the way that I could make money off photography, which would allow me to do more photography. So to me, that's success. is just it being a self-sustaining pursuit Yep. where, you know, if I can be a full-time photographer, then that's awesome. Um, I don't know that I ever really anticipated that. But then like in terms of the transition of success, like everything that's happening in my life with photography uh, are things that if you told my younger self, this would happen, I wouldn't believe you. Um, and, but by the time it happens, you've been working toward it. So it's like you're hiking up the mountain and you, you see the view evolve and come into you know, become reality. So by the time you like good things happen in, in, in your career, you're, you, you kind of expect it. <laughs> so, um, or you've worked for it or it just, it, it, it becomes to, it begins to make more sense. So yeah, there's a huge, you know, breach between what I thought a life in photography would be and what it actually is. And I mean, my whole philosophy is like to, to maybe not, yeah, to not expect good things to happen, but when they do, just take it as a pleasant surprise. And and for me, it's just always been about making work I want to make and all the outward success or anything else is just like, uh, is a bonus. But it has a use because if you take further steps in your career, that funds your work and it just allows you to do more and to show more people. So, Have you ever gotten to a point career-wise where the things that came with the success made you unhappy or was just sort of not where you wanted to be? I mean, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm asking that because we both know that there are parts of the art world that can be difficult or unpleasant or you don't have to answer the question, (laughs) you know, about that. But, you know, obviously that's sort of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm thinking. I mean, you know, I don't know if we have to say this, but obviously I represent you. So let's just assume working with me is just fantastic. Um, (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I mean, has there been, or even, or working with, with photo editors or, you know, Mm -hmm. magazines or like what difficulties have come up? I, I don't have a like a long list of grievances. I mean, yeah, there are aspects of photography that that are kind of hard, or you, you you'll have some hurdles. But I can't think of like really specific things that has things that have come with success that bother me a lot. I mean, I, I guess I just don't um, let myself get upset by things too often, and I just you know if if I'm dealing with a problem, I just plow through it and just try to keep steady making work and uh, doing what I want to do. So I'm sorry, that's not the best answer. I don't know. If no, I, no, it's a great answer. Yeah. No, it's a great answer because I actually think it's all part and parcel of what you're saying. It's yeah. like it's part of a general attitude, which is that you're going to climb the mountain. You're going to enjoy climbing the mountain or you wouldn't climb the mountain. Mm-hmm. You're not climbing the mountain because someone has a gun to your head. You're not climbing the mountain because 
you've decided that there's something at the top that you have to get, you know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. You're climbing the mountain because you want to climb the mountain and you're interested in what that view is going to be, but you don't presume to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that sort of way of doing things, you know, means that you're not constantly disappointed by things, small things, big things, because mm-hmm. you're not presuming to know. You're just, you know, the stream's flowing. You're flowing with the stream. And sorry, that's like such a new agey sort of. <laughs> that's cool. But, but I think it's like, you know, when people I meet who are generally satisfied with life mm-hmm. do sort of understand that concept of enjoying the the ride the, the the process and not deciding ahead of time you know what the brass ring is going to be because yeah. it's just never going to be this thing you imagine so you know you sh- there's also room to delight in the surprise totally and you know uh, i mean I, that that's my career's is definitely been like that and you know it's weird it's like being ambitious without having ambition be your driving force, which is not always easy to sort of navigate the, the, the difference there, but it mm-hmm. is a difference. Yeah, I, I am, I'm suspect of overly ambitious people. <laughs> like, like you, you have to be driven and you have to be passionate, but I think sometimes there's something superficial about ambition and just like the sense of, of striving for the sake of goals or to prove right. something well, to the world. because it negates the process. Yeah. It negates the joy of the process. Yeah. What you said too about like the dis- the distance between uh, expectations and where you get to when you when when you get there it reminds me of a Larry McMurtry uh, part in a Lonesome Dove where there's a character talking to this woman who wants to move to San Francisco because they're out in the dusty west and life is hard and she's just talking about trying to get to San Francisco and he tells her life in San Francisco is still just life so yeah <laughs> it, 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 it's still you know if you want something too bad it's gonna end it's not going to end well so I yep. I mean I think the same could be said for for photography or any pursuit like yeah like you, you you get accustomed to things as you move along and you might also get caught up with the difficulty of it or whatever so yeah like i don't know if there's even too much of anything in life that will change it too much like like if you won the lottery or something it, life might still be the same tomorrow you'll just have more money or you just have to do what you do because you're really into it and love it i could not agree more one of I was watching Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> this is one of my pandemic <laughs> yeah. shows, and I love it. By the way, I'm just going to cop to loving it. Yeah. And one of the characters said another character was trying to you know achieve something and was spinning out and whatever. And one character said the only way to make a new road is to walk it. Yeah. And I was like, oh hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, some wisdom from Star Trek Discovery, man. See, see, people, totally into it. <laughs> people can get their um, the 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 creative, the, what they need from the arts in all different places, and you you oh, got totally. some from Star Trek. So, um, well, listen, I'm uh, I'm the first person who will you know argue that there's like incredible artistry in a lot of you know lowbrow television. Yeah. Ne- never in my life have I have I been the person who's been embarrassed to watch television. I've always thought it was an amazing art oh, form. Oh, I love television and yeah, and I I the same same way I sometimes don't trust overly ambitious people. I also don't trust people who don't have TVs. It's like what you, you know what you're missing out on, right? There's so much great stuff coming on the TV and you don't even have one. Well, what's so. not to like? Yeah. It's it's a story. Yeah. In pictures. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Yeah, yeah. What's the problem? What's what's the beef with that, man? <laughs> and mm-hmm. also, now that you have all the streaming video on demand, television and cinema are just becoming increasingly... Um, Amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, you can't tell the difference anymore. There are so many great TV series that function like really great cinema. Um, I don't know if you watched Watchmen. I didn't, no. Oh, one? my God, dude. Oh, my I'll God. Add it to the list. Cow. Yeah. Yeah. HBO, it's insane. Nice. I could, this could devolve into an entire (laughs) thing about television shows because that is my true area of expertise. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a couple more questions before we wrap up. Sure. I'm always really curious about this a little lighter topic wise, but are you your own best counsel as far as looking at work or do you have, you know, I, I personally have a brain trust of people who when I'm really struggling with some decision or whatever that I know I can go to and, you know, we see the world 
enough of the same way that Mm -hmm. it's going to be apples to apples in terms of thinking. So do you you have those people or do you not need those people? Um, You know, looking at your work and and judging work. Yeah, I... I haven't thought about it all that much. I, I think I I must think I'm pretty good at assessing my own work because I, I don't solicit opinions all that often. No, you don't. Not even yeah. mine. Yeah. Sorry. It's just... I, I mean, <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, it's really funny. You're one of my only artists who... Uh, you know, I have a handful who, who sort of are... Yeah. You know... I don't, I don't need me. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if it comes from like a like an independent spirit or stubbornness. Maybe I, I have like a few friends I'll show work to casually. Yeah, and then occasionally I'll show uh, work that's nearly completed. And um, you know, if like I have an exhibition layout or a, or a, like a book that's about to be published, then I might show some people to to you know like some really trusted eyes. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of wary of too many opinions because you edit the work and then you have to edit the input about the work. Cause you can show the work to one person who says something like, Oh, this picture needs to be in, or the theme of this is resonating me with, with me in this way. And then you show it to a different person. It might be the opposite. So it can get really confusing if you have too many. Um, no, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. But I do, th- I'm not two things. One, I actually, I think the brain trust has to be should be really small mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone should say this has to be this or this yeah, it, yeah. it's just like here's what I'm feeling but the brain trust you really want to have super super similar like sort of taste for lack of a better word there but I also would say I have a theory that sure. I think you work that way it's like it sort of ties back to things we were talking about earlier that I think because it's like you're okay if you fuck up. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not the end of the world for you because you have things sort of organized in your mind and your body. Of this, it sort of slots into your life in a way that's really beautiful. And again, the process is so important to you. Not just everyone patting you on the back and telling you you're great or or making a lot of money. So. In some ways, I think there's not as much at stake for you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if a body of work doesn't land with some people, you know, there are artists for whom that that just feels catastrophic. Mm. But I think you would just sort of dust your shoes off and go on to the next thing. I mean, does that sound right? Or Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not really into what I do or passionate about what I do, but I do. No, no, that's not but, at all. No, no, I'm, I know that's not what you're saying. But w- what I'm saying is that there's just a lot more to life than these pursuits. Like, I absolutely love photography. Like, I've been really clear about what it does for me, how it enriches my life, how it lifts me up time and again. But, like, there's just, there's just other things in life. So, yeah, if, if photography gets fucked up, then... I'll try it again, uh, you know, in a different way. But also, you know, coming back to having other people's voices involved, what I like about photography is is if I fuck something up, it's my fuck up and I can deal with that. You come from um, filmmaking, right? And that's a very collaborative thing. And I'm sure you've had moments where you did your job just right and everything was great and you, you directed the movie the way it was supposed to be, but maybe someone else fucked up. Maybe someone else... Uh, you know, didn't uh, do the sound right or the, the editor d- d- didn't do something right or, or whatever. So it's just like there's maybe an independence that I have in who I am that makes me a little bit more reluctant to get people's opinions. And when it does come to collaboration with a gallerist or a publisher or a curator, I usually wait toward the end when things are almost ready and then I can get the input. Yep. So, yeah. That is my experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes you know, total sense. And, you know, I think, you know, I personally think it's a really great way of working. So if if I can just impart some like thumbs up to people like, you know, the the sort of tighter you, you hold on to things, the more likely that is to just squeeze the life out of everything. I you have to really there's there's just nothing like rolling with the punches. You know, there's just mm-hmm. nothing like just going with it. Just you know, being able to adapt and 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 move on, just get on with it. Yeah. What well, is the is the word precious? Maybe the right thing. You don't want to be too precious with things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that a lot of photographers kind of have that 
impediment where it's just like things are too perfect or precious and they don't, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to corrupt it somehow or they don't want to show it too soon or they don't want to, you know, do Letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 I, th I think that's a, that's a thing with photographers. And, but how is it working with photographers who uh, need more input? Like how does that work for you in terms of like what you get out of it and, and sitting down and looking at work that's more in progress or there's more question marks looming over the body of work? Like how does it, how does that play into what you do? Well, I mean, I love it. If I didn't, if all my artists were like you, I would be unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Because even though, <laughs> even though I love you and I am, I love working with you. I love working with the work, you know, mm -hmm. like I have your work, you know, basically one foot in front of me in my flat files. And I have Ellie, uh, one of your photographs, I'm staring at right now framed on the wall and Wonderful. you know I lo I love the work it's it's really meaningful to me and like like when you sent me the new work when you sent me vessels like you know I could not wait to share it with certain clients of mine because I knew then I would have these amazing conversations mm -hmm. with them yeah. so it's just like it's just really thrilling for me um so in all seriousness like it's just you know, real honor and privilege to work with you. Awesome. Thanks. Having said that, <laughs> I, you know, I always joke that, you know, I'm not going to win salesperson of the year because I am like, you couldn't just slot anything else in and I would be able to sell it. Like mm. that there are people who are like that. I'm just, I just love photography. I, I you know, I, I just want to talk about pictures. So that's what makes me good at selling when I'm good at it. But I love working with my artists. So I, w I have a lot of artists who, you know, want me in the studio, maybe in the beginning of an idea, the middle, whatever. And whatever it is, I love it. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm not going to name names. It's up to them if I ever have a public conversation with them about it. But yeah. you know, I have a lot of artists who I go to the studio and... and you know, I'm pretty close with all my artists. So often I'm, if they're not in the city, I'm staying at their house or they come to New York and they stay at my house. Yeah. And so it's sort of round the clock immersion. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I mean, and I think I'm a very good editor. I do think like that's the thing I'm best at. Mm -hmm. I can certainly, you know, have a really great conversation with you guys about the work and just get you to talk it out mm -hmm. you know so some of my artists want me to just outright edit and others i know just want me to provoke them to talk about their work to get it out of their head and get mm -hmm. you know and i can tell i mean i know who needs what so mm -hmm. but it's joyful for me i mean i really love it i which is why i do a lot of portfolio reviews and you know working with newer and younger artists and i really enjoy um, encouraging and and trying to get the best out of people. Yeah. So, but you know, and look, and people change, and people, you know, you go through different phases, and you never know where you're gonna wind up, and it's mm -hmm. part of part of uh, life. So, let me ask you, what's next? What's you know, are you just you know, vessels is pretty new, but mm -hmm. anything you want to talk about that you're starting or oh. Maybe not publicly, um, but yeah, I'm still going to be shooting work uh, in, in the West and doing vessels. And then I did this book, Good Goddamn, a couple years ago, um, yep. which was a departure for me in, in some ways because it was more local and um, it, it just wasn't like this big kind of ambitious novel. Sweeping narrative. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't this big thing. But I'm getting more interested in, in little things like that. Great. Especially that's, near that's home. Cool. Because, you know, like that's the whole thing with photography like post-Eggleston where it's like you find beauty in the everyday and you, you get astonished by what's around you and everything is photographable. And I think I always knew that. But now that I've been, you know, sequestered due to the the shutdown from the pandemic, I've been photographing just on little outings to the country and just realizing that there's so much material, so much nearby. So I'm getting more interested in um, just just little things, like not like this huge, you know, opus. Like just Epic. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, so, yeah. so I'm more interested in that. Well, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, going back to what, uh, you know, the, the, the slow way that I, I work and 
kind of don't get a lot of opinions along the way. At any given time, I'll have like a number of projects I'm either thinking about or working on really slow that I don't show to people and that may never ever see the light of day, but it's just practice. It's just like just doing things with what's nearby. Um, So I photograph pretty regularly, even though I don't always like put a lot of uh, yeah, time into like the big course. the big main projects yep but yeah texas and local has been more of an inspiration lately and i am also getting more and more interested in the great plains i did a like a, some photos back there like 10 15 years ago and i just keep coming back to it and I, like there's a gravitational pull that the that the great well, that's plains sort of has where to we me. started our conversation talking about like that sort of excitement about something and i you know i asked you to think keep you up at night it sounds like what you just said. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on it that will, that will, I'll, I'll put in the oven for the next few years. Who knows? Uh, but, but there's that. Um, yeah. Okay. So one last question and I definitely like went back and forth about whether to ask this because I don't know. I feel like people are so touchy about this and they don't always tell the truth. And, you know, my feeling is if one isn't honest, there's it's just there's no point. In, mm-hmm. But OK, so here's the question. Are you comfortable calling yourself an artist? Um, this I think this is a really fascinating question. And the short answer is that I don't care. Like the label doesn't matter to me, but. It's really interesting because that word artist is so um, ambiguous in terms of its semantics. And I think my comfort with that word depends on the context. You hear actors and novelists and musicians and architects and so on refer to themselves as artists. But I don't think any of them expect to to be on the pages of art form anytime soon, you know? Yep. And, and some people might not say that they're artists uh, from those disciplines, even though what these people do is artistic and they implement craft and, and they're producers of culture. So when it comes to that word artist, I, I relate to it in that way. And I suppose I feel more related to filmmakers and musicians and writers and whatnot, but like a writer, for instance, doesn't say she's a, you know, she, she doesn't say she's a, she's an artist who uses words. she just say she's a writer. Yeah. And like, it's, that's a, such a curious distinction for me. And it's it's funny because it's it's relevant mainly to photographers because there's all of this gray area, yep. you know, so like the guy who takes pictures of cheeseburgers for an order board at a fast food joint like that is a photographer. And then Wolfgang Tillmans is a photographer, too. So this ocean of of, you know, there's a, such a huge spectrum and there are people that we just think of artists generally. And then there are the artists of the art world. And I feel like the art world is a more exclusive place and there are the the big white walls and the elaborate language and it's institutionally backed and there's a boundary around it and and in that art world realm there are contemporary painters and sculptors installation artists and then the lens-based artists or artists who use photography and again like there's there's a boundary around this and there are gatekeepers who take their jobs seriously I, i don't know if i've ever been invited in and if I ever am. I'll go say what's up. But if not, I'm like more than happy with my kin in the photo world and in the, in the, in the photo book uh, community. So I feel like more in line with photographers. But then, I mean, there's a criticism I used in the, in the term lens-based artist when there shouldn't be because that makes a lot of sense for people it applies to who are engaged in a different kind of lineage or have a different, more conceptual approach. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a great answer. Everything you said is, you know, exactly the things I think about. Mm -hmm. So good. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You know, I love talking with you. Couldn't, couldn't be more honored. Okay. Well, thanks again, Bri, really. And thanks to everyone for listening. I, I hope it was fun. Okay, until next time.